In these uncertain times, Volkswagen of Boise is committed to your mental health as you search for a new vehicle. Have social anxiety about speaking to other humans? Current and up-to-date online inventory? Check. Just want to flirt with options in person but not ready to commit? No commission sales team on standby to answer questions at your leisure? Check. Needing something crazy and unexpected to take your mind off the troubles of the day? Full-time fun director dedicated to making Instagram content just to make you laugh? Check. Regardless of your level of social comfort, Volkswagen of Boise has a menu of haggle-free customer experiences to choose from. Come by the dealership on Franklin near Boise Town Square Mall or go online to peruse their current inventory at www.volkswagenofboise.com. This is the Boise Bubble Podcast, where we talk all things Treasure Valley. We're your hosts, Shane and Natalie Plummer. Welcome back to the conversation. Good evening. (laughs) Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Boise Bubble Podcast. We're doing something a little bit new today. Um, We are actually recording from our backyard. I don't know if you can hear the crickets. It's kind of nice. It's wonderful. It reminds me of the South. Yeah, I miss the South. You guys probably know we moved from Tennessee uh, 12 years ago now. Yeah, coming up on 12 years. The South just had this endless, endless sound at night. Like there was never any quiet. Yeah. I found it very disturbing the first time I visited your hometown of Arkansas. I was like, what? is the sound and you're just like what sound i'm like the constant rushing like wind and it was the the katie dids but um we were we were talking about how it seems like people who are listening to the podcast um there there's kind of an appetite for i think some more of the kind of personal things we talked about the we did a sex podcast that you guys really liked and we are trying to figure out a way to facilitate that where it's like more natural. And we did a podcast a while ago called Fireside Chat, where we kind of tried to replicate how we normally talk, which personally, I didn't think that was a huge success. I think that was hard because we spend so much time um, in a download state. I was just thinking about how this term we use all the time, Shane, that well, I don't- What do you mean a download well, state? Well, like we, uh, we say this all the time. We use the word, we have to download. I don't know if we've ever really acknowledged that we use that word all the time. Like when we haven't seen each other for a while, even if it's like one day, we say, hey, let's go download. Like we reconnect so often, like to catch up on all the things that we're doing. And we usually do that. Well, we do that in bed often um, or we do it outside, like around a fire pit. And I feel like that's where our, like our best conversations happen. They just happen there. Agreed. It's yeah. always weird to, it's hard to sound normal and natural when you're podcasting and you're recording it. Yeah. You had this comment, you made this comment to me earlier this week that I never sound exactly the way that I do uh, when we podcast is when we're just talking. Well, I, I think I have a reason. I, <laughs> I think I know the reason behind that. Um. I think that I'm much more used to people kind of hearing me, but I think when you're podcasting, you're thinking of this small group of people who's listening and you're talking with a filter thinking about them. And I don't have... Say that another way. I'm not sure that I, I okay, follow that. I think that 
I think that my world is social media and podcasting and being like a more of a what's the term a public figure that's what I do but you're a little more new to it and I think you're always thinking about honestly like your people at work your people who you're consulting the people who you work with in a totally different professional way and I think sometimes you talk in a way where I'm like you're thinking about who's hearing it and you want to make sure that it's coming across still professional and keeping with the work Shane and work Shane's great but like home Shane is better I guess Mm, I think home Shane's better for a podcast well yeah but I don't know that home Shane is better uh out in the public light but we're literally on a podcast like right now that's the point of this yeah but I don't know could you just ask the people from work not to listen to your podcast uh, most of them don't. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah, I know that. But even now, most you're, people, s- you're saying Surprisingly, that. most people don't listen to our podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm aware of that. I don't know if you're ready to hear that, but most people don't. I'm aware, yeah. Oh, well, anyway. Um, I'm just saying, I, it's not a bad thing. I just feel like there's a duality that, like, I feel like if we could, if we could breach that, like, I think the conversations would be better. And the thing is, is, like, we're just making this up as we go. And maybe we need to do a little survey. Let the people decide. No, I don't want to let the people decide. It's my podcast. It's your podcast. We decide. That's one thing that I'm really big on is like. But I'm getting the feeling that you're thinking that I'm uptight when we're recording. And I, I don't feel think like that I'm you're always uptight. I think that it's a learned thing to be to remove that thought of what people are going to say, how people are going to judge you because they will. And if you always let the public choose, then you're pandering. And it's it's like, you're so rad exactly as you are. Like you're the most incredible human I've ever met. And I think that like, that's ju- I just think recording here in our backyard is gonna show that a little better because um, yeah, you're just the best. Like you're just, you're fun to listen to. And you're fun to listen to and you have, all the other podcasts but i think why not try this why not you know also the wine helps (laughs) yeah wine and not having any pants on because it's my backyard (laughs) don't judge this is my place we're not not recording (laughs) my castle and i declare no pants okay tonight no pants tonight that's fine and this is good wine what is this we're drinking a wee uh a weasling. Which <laughs> How much of it have we done? Drinking a weasling from Sawtooth Winery. <laughs> okay, stop. Okay. A Riesling. 2018 Riesling from okay, it's Sawtooth Winery. All right. Shane, I've invited you to this fire pit discussion for a specific reason. Um, I came home from visiting my family in Spokane. And all I knew was that you were, you had had a an experience in the mountains. You said it had been a hard experience in the mountains, but you didn't want to really talk about it, and you were excited to go out on a date with me to download. Again, I've mentioned this before. This is something that Shane and I always do, is just we find ways to be alone and to download all of our stuff. Like, whatever's going on, whatever's on our mind. So we go on a date, and you tell me about this experience you've had in the mountains right. and it's a pretty um 
it's it's a it's a harrowing experience um so i think that it is something worth talking about because you you are an outdoorsman you work really hard to to get yourself prepped to be able to get into the mountains to experience that um but things didn't really go the way you had expected no not at all and i it was one thing talking to you about it but your interest and then um my great friend tyler he said that he had um he thought that i should talk about it openly too uh so i guess hearing from two people that i really respect say that might have some benefit to talk about it kind of made me change my mind i think maybe i should tell a little bit of this experience yeah give it was an atypical trip up into the mountains okay so what was the plan so um my plan was to get up there and do some conditioning i want to get ready for hunting season and um, that's in early october and so i thought well i want to go up there and scout out this place where i'm gonna hunt mule deer i i've i've hunted up there two years uh getting to know the area but i really wanted to spend a lot more time up there and going up there in the beginning of july would give me a good lay of the land let me know i don't know it's it's good to get up there in the summertime when you don't have to worry about bumping animals and them running all over the place and burning all their calories but um because the place where i hunt there's typically in the summertime there's not a lot of animals there so i thought it it'll be great to go up there and just have the mountain to myself and learn and so i wanted to take 50 pounds on my back and go up there and spend two nights and i thought two nights up there do a little bit of bushcraft maybe um make myself a little shelter but just spend two nights um two and a half days learning the land and kind of getting a feel for things and then i would come back it was about it's about a five mile hike in is what it was going to be so i thought five miles with 50 pounds yeah i'm not in the best shape right now but i can do it and especially if i take it in a hundred bites i remember when my brother came out here and we went hunting a couple years back and um i was setting the pace and and in that duo it, that's rare because he he's usually the mountain man but he's not used to this elevation up here but I told him, look, dude, we're just going to, we're going to take our time. The way that we get the, to the top of this mountain is with a hundred bites. We just take small steps and we take a ton of breaks and we're going to break this thing up into a hundred different sections. And so I thought, well, if I do it in a hundred bites, it'll be totally fine. might take me longer than I'd like, but for the summertime, that's okay. This is a conditioning trip. So that was my original intent. I should probably preface by saying you kind of got to understand who I am and where I stack up in skills in the mountains. I'm not like, I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm in the top 10% of people that are up there and testing themselves on the mountain. I'm probably in the, I guess I'd probably say that I'm, I'm probably in the 70th percentile. The 70th? Maybe 60th. <laughs> I don't know. I'm uh, like mo most what people. Would mo what would your friends say you were in? I don't know what they would say, but when I look at myself, I think I'm pretty good up there, mm -hmm. but there are guys that are just animals, billy yeah. goats. 
that live up there that they just go fast they carry a ton of weight and uh it doesn't mean anything to them i'm not that you do go alone i mean you go alone in the mountains for several days and this is not like easy um that's true i just don't go at the pace of some other people but i am fairly confident like i'm confident with with the prep and the planning that i do and the way that i get ready psychologically for a trip and then you know the gear that i take up i'm pretty i feel very confident that i know what i'm doing how to stay out of trouble and uh, how to stretch myself beyond some limits without putting myself in a difficult position so this time i felt definitely not physically ready but i've been less ready before and i've done okay and i've come back fine i've probably carried more weight and gone further um than i did the this time Okay, so you're heading up two days, and uh, so t- take me through what happened. So I packed up. I've got a bunch of stuff. Like I've got, I've got a lot of superfluous stuff that if I were just going up there for uh, a scouting trip in July just to go up there, I would have shed a ton of weight and maybe taken 30 pounds up there. I'd probably taken more weight, but it would have been more water. But I thought, well, I'm going to take my axe. I know that I can find water up there. I found water up there before, so I just have my filtration. Um, But I'm going to carry enough weight and a ton of extra food, and I'm going to stash it. My plan was to stash a bunch of food up there so that whenever I go up there in the winter uh, or in the fall, I don't have to carry so much on my back. And then when I got got up there, I thought, well, I'll filter a ton of water up there and then stash a, a bunch of water, too. So I carried a lot of gear. So I went up there. I drove three hours out there. And the first part of this of this hike is to traverse this river. Um, and I've done it before. I've done it three times now. And I thought, well, I can do it. And surely in July, the water level is probably lower so I got up there on a Friday uh, afternoon and I started walking across this river with my pack on and it was so high. It was up to my, probably halfway up my thighs and before it's never been up to my knees. And I thought, I don't need to be crossing this water. I've got a healthy respect for water. Water, I don't really, I guess maybe just hearing so many stories of people finding themselves um, in trouble on the water, I don't really fool around with it so I got about a third of the way across and I thought no turn around and then I tried it one more time from a different spot and I just couldn't do it okay so (laughs) what I'm hearing from someone from a layman term I guess is that this is not normal camping you're not camping if you're traversing rivers this is like outdoorsmanship this is this is like serious exploration so as i how i imagine it is you basically go up in your like you know your gear you've really invested in very high quality gear and you've all you've got on is your backpack you're alone you've got your satellite we should mention that i have a sat phone Mm -hmm. in the summertime i'll take a pistol okay i've been off and on about the pistol Mm -hmm. and what's the main reason that you take it um, because I've ran into wolves and up in this area, I've seen bears as well. Mm-hmm. And not that a nine millimeter is really going to do much with a bear, but the sound is dissuasive. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I would never want to shoot a bear. 
Um, I've got if no a bear is coming at your face, shoot the bear. Oh, certainly. Right? That's I'm allowed, right? Yeah, I'm not going to think twice about that. But I take a pistol because I've ran into wolves. And yeah. I'd rather have one than not have you one. You can tell as a wife what that sounds like, right? I've ran into wolves. <laughs> like, this was a, It's funny how we're talking so casually about it now. But again, I think like so much of what we've talked about on the podcast... There's so much that has gotten us to this point. So many arguments and tension and like you going into the mountains by yourself is hard for me. And we had to come to so many agreements about you doing that. And that's, it's, it's hard for me to like, you know, as you talk about it being, you know, the person who loves you and just to be like, oh yeah, you ran into wolves and you're traversing rivers. Like that's a... Uh, yeah, that's that's hard sometimes to hear. I know it's hard. But I mean, I but we anyway, I'm just saying that as I sound so blasé about it, it hasn't always been that way. Um, yeah. So Anyway, so you're traversing the river. Couldn't and make it. And no. I thought, I'm not going to do this, but I was in such a good headspace. I was so optimistic driving up there. I'd seen had I seen that that fox yet? Sometimes, like, when I see animals, it's it's easy to take it as a good omen that there's a lot of life up there, that you might see some cool stuff. And to see a fox on the drive up there, I, I don't know. I was super excited. and um, But I, I, I wasn't going to be dissuaded. I thought, well, even though that was my plan A, I have a plan B. A few more miles up the road, a little bit further in, was another place where I've hunted. And I thought, well, I can still get some miles in there. Um, and it's a significant climb getting up there. And I could go see this area where I shot a deer a, a couple years back. And I'll lay eyes on that. Um, and then I'll kick around that area, maybe go a little bit further in. But it's a good plan B. It's a beautiful place. I could see some great things. So I thought, I'm going to go there. So I went to plan B. I got out of the truck. And I looked at my pack and I thought, okay, I know that I'm not doing any bushcraft up there because I'm not going to be hunting there this year. So do I... Sorry, what's bush, bushcraft? Like making a shelter, um, chopping down a couple of, you know, some logs and, you know, just building some Lincoln logs and doing some cool stuff up yeah, there. We have so very that. different lives. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So no bushcraft. <laughs> <laughs> no bushcraft. Um, but I thought, well, I'm going to take my axe anyway. I need, I need to take more weight. And so I'll take it up there. And that was the decision that I made is I'm going to take everything that I've got just strictly for weight. And I'm hoping that I'll find water up there. I knew that I would cross this little stream before, like maybe about a mile in before I started my big climb. But I knew that when I got up onto these ridge lines up top that I would find, well, I was hoping that I would find water because when I was up there in the fall, I didn't find much, but I saw some spots where they looked very promising. So I thought, surely in the summer, if this other river was so high, I'm going to find water up there. So I start going in. It's evening Sorry, time. how much water did you have? What was your original amount of water? I had three liters. I had a two liter bladder in my pack that I was sipping through a straw. Um, and then I had my Nalgene bottle that I love so much. And it's a liter. So I had three liters. I know that you're mixed on my Nalgene bottle. <laughs> what? But no, shut your it. face. It's, it's so freaking special. awesome. It's seeing everything with me. Okay, I'm glad. <laughs> okay. 
Sure. Okay. Anyway. All right. So I took my Nalgene bottle and we started hiking up and I crossed this river or the stream and I start this ascent and it's so freaking steep. The first mile is just brutal. It's so brutal getting up to the ridge line. And then once you're up on the ridge line, then you can follow these ridges. But even the ridges aren't like perfectly level. They're up and down and you're going down and crossing these saddles. But anyway, I'm ahead of myself. I start this ascent. It's massive. The great ascent, let's call it. And um, and I knew that when I got up there, I've camped up there before. It'll be probably right about sundown. And that's where I'll pitch my tent. So I got up there as planned. I freaking worked. Oh my gosh, it was so freaking hard. It was, I didn't, I didn't even know how to explain how steep some of these hillsides are. Idaho is just brutal. It's so steep. And it takes so much work to get to some of these places. The price is heavy getting up there is what I'm trying to say. Got up there. The mosquitoes were awful. Pitched this tent. I forgot my mosquito net. I just had my shell. So I was fighting mosquitoes most of the night, but the view was spectacular, spectacular. Um, I got up there and I went to bed, had a great night. Oh my gosh, it was beautiful. I woke up at, it must've been three o'clock in the morning, stepped outside and you can see the lights from Boise kind of on the horizon on one spot. But besides that, it was just black sky and galaxy. It was such a clear night. It was beautiful. It was Man, I just felt so grateful to to be out there. I don't mean to stop you in your story, but I feel like those moments, I'm aware how important those are to you now. Oh, man. Yeah, they're, uh, to be up there and to see those beautiful things is, that's the fuel that keeps me going and puts me back there time and time again, despite, you know, the that terrible price. It was, man, by the time that I got up there, I had... I'd sucked down a liter of water. Like I must have been sipping on water. Like I was not drinking much. Um, but I wasn't really rationing either because I thought that I could find some. But by the time that I got got up there, I took inventory and I drank a third of my water. So I was one liter down. I had two liters left. Um, beautiful sunset. Beautiful night. Beautiful morning. I woke up in the morning and... Um, I sat up on this knoll. I I camped out on this high point. So I'm on this knoll, so I've got 360-degree de- views. I'm just seeing beauty in every single direction. And I'm up at first light, and I'm looking through my binoculars, and I'm just scouring the land and just taking it in. It's, it's, it's awesome. Didn't see anything for animals. No, that's not true. I saw, I think I saw four doe right below me they were kind of kicking up on the hillside and sniffing (laughs) making this sound like they were sniffing so they were sniffing the air they could smell me and i thought what are man they are really making a racket so i kind of peeked over the edge and i saw them there they saw me and they kind of started off and uh that was pretty cool but after that i didn't see any animals it was nothing but i kept scouting around and i was to the point where i could look down into a couple of these draws into these creek beds and i thought this is where i'm going to find water i'll drop down about three quarters of a mile get water and come back up and um i've got a perfect line of sight to look down in probably two or three of them and they were freaking dry as a bone there was no water up there 
there was no freaking water. The closest water was all the way back down, down the great descent and at the foot of the mountain, about a half a mile from the truck. And so I thought, what am I going to do? So I sat there in the morning and I'm looking around I move around, I'm trying to find more water, and I couldn't find anything. And I thought, well, I got two liters. I guess my two-night trip is going to get cut down to one night, and I need to be off of this mountain by the end of the day. I thought if I drink a liter on the way up, two liters is plenty for me to kick around up here and then make it back down. And that was my decision. And then I thought, well, how far can I go? I'd been up about two miles. I've got to go about three more miles to lay eyes on this kill site where I shot this deer a couple years back. And I could do that. And then that would make it about five miles. And I thought, yeah, it's just one day. I could do it. I'll probably be a little bit thirsty on the way back, but I can make it back. And the return trip is going to be faster because it's a lot of descending as opposed to climbing. So I'll be okay. It'll be a stretch, but I'll be fine. That was my thought process. I had tons of food. Not like I could eat a lot of it. A lot of it was dehydrated meals. And then I had a couple of oranges. So I just started going, started hiking. Made it all the way up to this spot, five miles in, carrying my pack. Felt good about it. But by the time that I got there, it was probably 1, 1.30 in the afternoon. And I thought, all right. We'll start getting back. I'll bet you that I could get back. It took me probably four and a half hours to get that as far as I did. Just the climb was so steep and I'm so out of shape. Mm-hmm. I thought, but but I've hiked downhill and out before and it's a lot faster. I thought I could probably make it out of here in two and a half hours, maybe three hours. And so I started going back and going downhill is a lot different than going uphill your feet just burn. My feet burned. My feet just got so freaking hot that I had to stop about a mile downhill and air my feet out. Just sit down. You have like some serious boots, right? Yeah. Some like serious boots. Um, I've got great boots and they've got a little bit of, of insulation and it wasn't great for summertime, but I knew that when I got them, my feet are going to be hot in the summer, mm-hmm. but in the fall and winter, they're going to feel great. So, but they were more than hot. Oh my gosh, my feet hurt so bad. Like, they just got so hot that you can feel it when you're going to start getting blisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought, I'm going to prevent that because eventually I've got to make it down the great descent. That last mile that is so freaking steep, my feet are going to hurt then. And if I've got blisters going down there, it's so precariously steep, I'm going to be in a tricky spot if I've got blisters. So I need to prevent that. So I just took my time. And that two and a half hour as opposed to five hour hike back um, turned into a freaking five hour hike back. I had to stop so many times to air my feet out um, and just to rest that uh, it sucked up all of my excess time. So my estimate was was way off. By the time that I got back to my campsite, I was beat. Oh my gosh, I was so freaking tired. I'd stopped probably three times to air my feet. I had eaten my last orange for the moisture and my water was almost gone. And it was probably three o'clock in the afternoon, probably four o'clock, 
probably wasn't quite four o'clock. It was freaking hot. It was hot, not a cloud in 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 the sky. It was so sunny. And I thought, I am sweating like crazy, and I don't have nearly enough water to replenish what I'm sweating out, and I'm just tired. And I started, I didn't panic at my last stop before I got back to my campsite, but I did start getting worried because the rest, I, I didn't feel better afterwards. Like I wasn't recharging. By the time that I started going again, after resting for like 30 minutes, uh... I was still pretty zonked, and I thought, that's not great. My body is giving out. I got to get off this mountain. So just started going through these saddles and this bush that was so freaking thick, climbing it uphill. I was exhausted by the time that I got back to my campsite. And there at the campsite, I took two more pulls of water, and it was gone. And I thought, it's gone. That's it. Your entire, all your water's gone. All my water's gone, and I've got about a mile and a half left. I got to get down the Great Descent, and then cross that stream. I'll refill, I'll refill with water at that stream, mm-hmm. and then I'll hike the last half mile out, get in my car, and then go. So was it that simple? No, man, it was so bad. When I started the Great Descent, I started getting real dizzy, and um a little bit disoriented and my feet just burned and I got probably it must have been only about a quarter of the mile down that my feet hurt so bad and I was starting to um, feel nauseous oh my gosh my stomach felt awful I felt so much nausea all of a sudden and I thought is that a sign of heat exhaustion to get nauseous come to find out it is that's that's not good but I found this bush like there was no there was no shade on that whole hillside, not a tree to be found, and but this one bush with just enough shade. I didn't even think about it. Like I didn't have a conscious thought to stop on this very steep slope, but I just shed my pack and I tucked underneath this this bush to get a little bit of shade, take my shoes off, air my feet out, and that's hard to do on a slope. It's really hard. And um I was just exhausted. I was so tired. I thought three quarters of a mile, I can surely I, 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 I can make it right. And then my body started cramping up. My legs would cramp like getting Charlie horses in both legs. And that did not feel like a good sign. My stomach hurt so bad. I can't be explicit. You can. I thought I was going to shit my pants on that mountain. And I wouldn't have done that. Like, I would have dropped my drawers for sure. But I thought, I don't want to, I don't know why. I just thought, I don't want to shit on the side of this mountain. Like, as soon as I empty my bowels, like, that's my body's last ditch effort just to say, you don't have anything left. Like, that's gone. No more moisture, no nothing. And I thought, just don't do it. I don't know why. I just thought, I'm not going to shit on this mountain. (laughs) Okay. I'm not going to do it. (laughs) But when my legs started cramping and the nausea was so bad... I thought, I got to go. I got to go. Did you, were you starting to feel some panic at this point? Um, the panic was like right below the surface, but I wouldn't let myself panic. That was one, one of the things in re- retrospect that I was really pleased with. Uh, my mind, I just kept breaking it. I kept breaking it down into the next problem. Like solve the next problem. The next problem is getting down this hillside you got to get down this hillside and do that. So find your trail. And there was no trail. It was just trail blazing. 
There's no trail going up there. But I, I just thought, get down. After that, get to the water. When you get to the water, cool your body off. And But the first thing is just get down this hillside. And I and my brain just kept breaking it down to the next problem. And I'd say, can I handle that problem? Yeah, I can handle that problem. So if I can do that one, then I'm not going to panic yet. I'll panic when, I, when I'm not able to solve any more problems. That's when I'll freak out. But I can't but I could feel it blow the surface. Was there any point when you're like, I have a satellite phone. I should use this. By the time, by the time that I tucked underneath that bush and my body started giving out on me, I thought that button is not going to do me any good because even if I called somebody, it's going to be two, three hours before somebody can get out there and find me at the earliest. And in two hours, I'm freaking screwed. Like, I am going to be passing out. I was disoriented. My sense of time was all sorts of off. And I was off balance. And I thought, I don't have two hours up on this mountain. I've got to get off here in the next 30 minutes, or I'm really going to be hurting bad. So that button, that sat phone wasn't going to do me any good. I just thought, it's too much. I've got myself into a difficult position. I'm going to pass out. And then if I pass out, what if they can't find me right away? What if they're hiking up and down this mountain? And what if I'm on the wrong ridge line on my on my way down? I got a little bit turned around. And I thought they, I could easily be lost up there for hours and hours. And by that time, I don't know what would have happened. So I thought, your only chance, Shane, is to get off. You've got to go. And my brain just started saying that. Go. Go. You've got to go. And so I put my boots on so fast. And I started making my way down that hillside. And I just thought, just step one step in front of the other. One foot in front of the the other. What did your body feel like at this point? I hurt real bad. And I'm starting to get worried because my legs are just... I'm still carrying probably upwards of 40 pounds. 45 pounds maybe. Um, so there's a lot of weight that I'm packing and it's hot and I'm sweating and I was way disoriented. Come to find out I was off a fingerling ridge. I don't know if that means anything to you, but like as you're going down, downhill, down a mountain, like that, that, that line, that ridge might split off into two different ridges and I was on the wrong one. I stepped, I started going, going down and I thought, I don't remember this. Like this doesn't feel familiar at all. Where am I? Like, am I going to get to a point? And you can get to a point like where you get far enough down, then all of a sudden you're at a cliff and you can't go down it. And then your only chance to is to go back up. It was so freaking steep and I was so tired. I thought I can't go back up. I can't gain elevation. So I've got to get this right going down because if I don't, I don't have the energy to go back. I can't backtrack. So I was starting to get worried. I eventually found a familiar landmark and sure enough I was one finger lean ridge over so I had to side hill this steep hill and just go straight across until I intersected with my uh, my uphill path and then I found it back down and then um, I was close to the water and I just kept saying go you're so close you're so freaking close get down cool your body off and I made it back to the stream, shed my, my pack so fast, and 
I jumped into this creek. It had like this little deep spot, maybe up to my knees, um, right off of the path. At that point, I was back on the, the uh, back on the trail, and um, off of the mountain, hit the trail, hit that stream, and I shed my pack. I took my boots off, and I just jumped in the creek. And I started splashing myself with water because I was so hot. I thought I needed to get some water. Um, and that was the worst thing. I had no idea how bad of a move that was because my body just, my whole body cramped up. From my neck to down my back, my abdomen cramped up. My arms cramped. Both of my arms, like my entire body. I had char- Charlie horses from heel up to my neck. I've never cramped up like that before. It was nuts. So you're in the stream cramping. Cramping up. And thinking, what is going on? Like, it is not good that my body is so cramped. And so I had to crawl out of the stream. And there's not like a beach. It's just rocks. It was so uncomfortable. And I had to find a place to to just stretch out, to flatten out and to stretch. And I stretched, and I stretched for like five minutes. And then all of a sudden, my bowels were like, no, 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 we're not done. You're <laughs> going you're gonna to go right now. And I thought, I'm going to shit right on this, off the side of this trail. And I guarantee right now is when someone's going to walk up. <laughs> but I could care not at all. I cared not one bit. It's like, I don't care. I'm, I'm in water. Uh, I'm going to be okay. And I just went through this harrowing experience. I don't care who sees me. I'm going to be just fine. And so I took care, I took care of that. And then, um, I had to filter water and you didn't just immediately start drinking the water. I did. I was so thirsty. I was so thirsty that I, I drank a few guzzles Mm -hmm. just straight straight out of the Creek. Mm -hmm. And I thought, F it. I, I got, I, I don't have the energy. Like I have to get something into my body, mm-hmm. and I did did that. And then after that, then I filtered. I filtered water for like thirty minutes, and I just got water and I sipped it, and I dealt with my cramping body, and it was awful. It was awful, and I wasn't feeling any better. Like I was so nauseous, and my body would not stop cramping, and um, my head hurt. I was still just as disoriented despite having all that water and the cooling down that I thought, I got to go. Like, I got to get out of here. I can't linger here for too much longer. I've got to get back to to the truck. How far were you at this point? About a half a mile out. Okay. And I thought, I know that when I'm feeling better, I I say that I could crawl out if I had to. And I probably could have. I could have crawled a half a mile. Um, on my hands and knees and I would have been okay but man it was a freaking hard half mile and my emotions were so I was so physically tired scared Um, I was really shocked I think I just did not expect myself to be in that position that um, it was just welling up and I thought don't you freaking cry don't you cry. Like, you get off this mountain, get back to your truck, deal with it then. But until you get to that truck, this mountain may have kicked you in the nuts, but it's not going to see you cry. So you just go. And I just hiked, and it was the hardest freaking half mile. It was so hard. That pack was so heavy. My feet hurt so bad. My body was still cramping. I was just stumbling down this trail. Finally made it to the truck and um, took my pack off, put it in there. 
got inside the cab, started it up, and I just, my mind just broke. I just wept. I just cried for about five minutes, freaking out, thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just did that. That was scary. It was really scary. And uh, got my wits about me, and I started driving. And even then it didn't end. Like, that was like the beginning of hell, because it's a three-hour drive down these dirt roads, bumpy, unkept. It hurt my body to be driving for three hours until I hit pavement. Well, it was probably two and a half hours before I hit hit pavement. Two and a half hours in from pavement. This is just Just to indicate how far off you are. Like, how far into the woods, into into the wilderness you were. It was two and a half hours off of paved roads just to get to where you started. Yeah. So... What was the drive like, the two and a half hours? I just kept hurting. I hurt so bad. And I wanted it to be done. I, I wanted to get home so bad just to get in a bath, loosen my muscles, eat some real food, and just be in a, in a comfortable place. You guys were gone. So I had the house to, to myself, and that was really great. I thought, I don't want to have anybody cl- close by. I'm emotional. I don't want to deal with people right now. I just want to be comfortable and recover. Yeah, I mean, we've been married 21 years, and I think I've seen you cry twice. I don't know. Crying's not a normal thing for you. I did not feel great, Um, and I just wanted to be home, and, like, it just took forever. And the road is so monotonous. It was just, it wouldn't end. It was like it was just torturing me, and it would not end. I finally got back, hit paved roads, wept again. I was so happy. Got back into town, starting to feel better. Got some food on the way back, and uh, recovered that night. Went to bed. Fitful sleep was awful. Next day was pretty hard, too. And then you guys came home, I think, on... Sunday. Yeah, uh, I had messaged you. I was out camping with the kids. We had had our own harrowing adventure. <laughs> um, not quite like that. And I was asking you about what, what went down, and you just said it was kind of hard. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then uh, you're telling me all this, and you know, you, you're not a casual. Uh, adventurer like you're very you're very you're dismissive of how much time you spend like preparing and researching and making sure your gear is right but um, I think when I talked to you about it the first time when we downloaded we went out I wish we I wish you hadn't talked to me about this when we were in public we were at a dinner it was very hard for me to like hear this story but um, you were visibly so shaken by the experience, which in general, you're not really, uh, you're pretty, um, no, it took me about a day and a half to, to calm down and to let the shock wear off. And that's what it sounded like you were in. You were in shock, like your body was in shock. And then you came home and were kind of, kind of dealing with that shock. Um, so 
I guess now it's been what two weeks since that's happened. No, it's been coming up on four. Four weeks. Four really? weeks. Yeah. Okay. So it's been about a month. Mm-hmm. And how are you viewing that now? So I learn a lot of things, and I'll just run through some lessons okay. because I think that other people can benefit from this, um, so that they don't find themselves in similar positions. Um, first of all, you have to have water. Like water is the constraint in up in the mountains, especially at high elevations. If you can't find water, you're limited for how long you can be up there, how far you can go, what you can do. If you don't have water, you're out of luck. And especially in the summertime when some of these uh, creeks dry up, uh, I mean, you just have to have water. You, I, I far underestimated um, how much water I needed to get out of there. Three liters was ridiculous. I should have had probably at least double that. I should have been been packing six liters of water going up there. Sometimes I feel like in this ultralight kind of culture, it's like you're going with as, you know, as careful as you can, you know. You're like, you're, you're, you're taking off a, a quarter of a, of a pound of your axe, you know, and you're buying that just to do that. And so water is just like, oh my gosh, it's so heavy. And I listen to these conversations that you have of like this ultralight mentality, which I get. I feel like I've shed the ultralight when it comes to hunting. Um, when I was just backpacking, sure, I'd go ultralight. Um, but then I knew that I would be passing by water. Up there, I thought that I would be passing by water, but I ended up not. And so I guess to summarize, you have to hydrate. And I was talking to my buddy Tyler and doing some subs- some subsequent research it's he makes me feel uncomfortable how much water he drinks like for example when we're driving up and we and he and i have been up to that spot before and we did a podcast with him he was like our fourth guest or yeah. something when he when he is driving up there for the two days before he goes up into the mountain he's just pounding water he's drinking so much water that he feels sick most of the time and i can't do that and he says that he doesn't like doing it either but you you're you, your your muscles need to absorb the water for a couple of days before you actually get up there on the mountain. Um, and then on the trip up, like the drive up, he's just chugging and chugging. I can't believe how, how much water he's drinking before he even starts hiking. Uh, I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to start drinking so much that I'm uncomfortable. But I should have been drinking a lot more water uh, leading up to it. The second thing is that when I got to Plan B... And I realized that I didn't, I wasn't certain that I would find water. I should have shed my axe, my extra food, um, anything that I thought was superfluous, and I should have loaded up on more water. I should have switched my weight up um, and taken water instead of extra food and uh, equipment. That's the second thing that I should have done. Um, and then I should have been drinking a lot more water on the way up. I should have just been uh, drinking a lot more. So that's a big thing. Hydration would have been, uh, that would have helped me out a lot. Yeah. One thing that we've talked about a lot in the conversations that we've had over the years of you adventuring is that nature doesn't give a shit about you. Nature 
doesn't care and it doesn't matter like how much you prepped or all that like nature can kick your ass and I mean this isn't the first time you've been in situations like that I mean I was thinking about that time that I was in McCall with some friends and you were camping in that same area and you literally were camping with a you were sleeping on the ground with a tarp over you open-ended with a gun in case a wolf came and then you wake up to like five inches of snow and it's like you weren't prepped for that and I think from my perspective is that you nature doesn't care and that um you have to be, I guess, prepared for that, that there's, well, there's no preparation that's going to get you quite ready, but like, it's dangerous up there. Like it's really dangerous. And we have all these cool TikToks and all these things like, Hey, go out and like explore nature, but like, it doesn't care and it will kill you. Like at any time you could have cramped so bad in that river that that was the end. Yeah. Um, I guess I have a lot of thoughts on that, but I agree that nature is indifferent and unforgiving. The mountain is unfor- unforgiving. But it just means, like, I, for me personally, that's not going to keep me out of there. And I'm, I'm not, not saying it should keep you out and of I'm there. Not I just not think go. people should know that. That it's not, like, just some place you go take pretty Instagram pictures. Like, it's real. It's, it's like the wild. Yeah. When you get in there deep and you're driving far to start some of these hikes and then you're... Maybe you are on trails. Maybe you're not on trails. I mean, trails or no trails, um, it can still be really precarious. And, yeah, it's indifferent. And just because there's a trail doesn't mean that there's anybody on it. Um, and it doesn't mean that it's easy walking either. Some of these trails are just hard. Um, they're just a step below trailblazing. Um, it's, it's, it's not easy. And so, yeah, that was another thing is... I guess for those people that are venturing out, yeah, you see it on Instagram a lot. You see a lot of people that so many people out there making videos and going up there that they make it look easy. It is not easy. It takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of prep. I would have been better off had I been in a little bit better shape. Had I worked my legs more, had my quads and my hamstrings been more developed, uh, that would have helped me a lot. And my core. I would have been, I would have been working my core and my lower body a lot more than I had. So prepping to go out there, yeah. The other thing that I learned is um, my footwear. I think I needed something with no insulation, um, and I'm mixed on that. Part of me likes to train in the boots that I'm going to be hunting in, but then part of me thinks, ah, be great not to have my feet so hot all the time. So regardless of what you choose, you have to have good footwear. I love my boots because there's, there's such awesome support on my ankles. And when I was stumbling around, yeah, they were freaking heavy and probably contributing to me stumbling, but they were so rigid that uh, I probably would have rolled my ankle a dozen times on the way up or down that mountain. I guess what I'm hearing from you is that there's absolutely nothing that's going to keep you like this didn't even though this was herring and you were actually afraid there's no part of you that says i'm not going back no to the contrary i'm going back um i was talking to tyler about it and he got this light in his eye and 
said, that mountain handed you your ass, and there's an unsettled score. You need to go back, and I'll go back with you. And I was so grateful for him. I was so grateful for him being willing to go back up there with me and try it again. But he said, look, when we go up this time, we're going to do it different, and I'm going to coach you. And uh, I said, that's awesome. So we're going to go back here in a couple of weeks. I think two weeks. Uh, Three weeks. Three weeks from today, we're going to go back up. Is there any reason for you to not normally go with someone else? Like, I know that solo adventuring is so important to you. And I'm just, I'm wondering, what's the hang-up of it, of going with someone else? So th- this doesn't happen, I guess. Yeah, I got mixed on that. I know that it would be good to always be with somebody, but I don't always want to be with somebody up there. There are a lot of times where I want to be by myself, and um, I like going up there by myself. And look, I know that it's not easy to hear, but I don't know, like, finding myself in those situations and being able to work myself back out of them is incredibly empowering to me and validating to say that, yeah, all that prep that you do, that can get you in and that can get you out even in a hard time. I, I need something like that. So I don't know. Why do you need something like that? I mean, that's a separate podcast, but I mean, I've seen the difference. I, I could see, you know, corporate America, kind of killing you slowly and that's something that we had to we had to get to in our relationship was that this was something you needed that kind of gave you something that you weren't getting anywhere else I mean you're giving yourself fully to your family and to me and and to your job and then you find this other thing but at the same time it's you know kind of terrifying um yeah I need it to be hard it needs to be hard. And if I if if I engineer it so much that there's safety nets everywhere, then it stopped being hard. And it stopped being risky. And I need there to be a certain level of risk. It's not just me. I I think that it's a lot of men. Especially men on the mountain, they want it to be hard. If it were easy, everybody would freaking be up there and it wouldn't mean anything to go up there and to come back out. But to, I don't know, to to have to pay a price like this to go up there and see some of these things and do some of these things and, and make it back, that becomes a, something defining. If not for your peers, definitely for yourself. Okay, so you ha- gave me an explanation of why you didn't push that button. But I guess I kind of understand that. But it seems like more, it was like, pushing failure almost pushing the button yeah because to me it still seems like no by that point i wasn't thinking about failure i was just thinking of practic practicality yeah pra- practically speaking they wouldn't have made it up there on time i i was convinced that i wouldn't have mm, i would have been passed out and i could have been really hurt if not dead if was there a point where you were actually afraid of like your life at that point hey no like i said i hadn't thought about it it was just solve the next problem and that was a big lesson for me is that you have to just, instead of panicking, you have to break it down into the next problem. You have to break your whole journey up. You can't think of back to the truck or back home. You have to think down this hill. 
over to that saddle to this creek crossing the river you've got to break it up just one problem at a time to keep yourself going and you have to be able to keep making decisions my, my brother neil told me that he's like you've got to when you stop when you stop being able to make decisions that's when you're really screwed when you're so panicked and you're freaking out that you can't think straight and you can't make good de- decisions that is a dangerous spot it's a real dangerous spot so you have to be in a state of mind where you can still think reason and make choices i felt like i kind of flirted with that one yeah well i'm uh i'm sorry that you went through that um i'm not sorry thank you though i, uh, I mean i guess i, I saw should you say the day thank after you for your you were i mean you were you were a very strong person and i could see you were broken a little bit i think i think you're a little broken by that experience at least for the first day yeah i, I was um that ma- that mountain beat me that day I don't know. I guess I made it off, so that counts for something. But um, I definitely did feel like I did it with confidence. That's why I was so grateful for my meeting with Tyler, kind of recapping it, talking about Mm -hmm. it, and strategizing how I would do it differently and how we're going to do it differently next time. Um, I want to be able to to do the same thing under similar circumstances but do it better. And this time going up there with a buddy, that is a little bit of a safety net, but... um, he knows how to push me still to make it hard. Um, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't change it. Like I would have not done it that in the month since that's really become kind of a valuable experience for me, but one that I would want to share with others so that they don't get themselves into similar danger. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for asking me to talk about it. Yeah. I'm glad that you're safe. You know, I obviously have my own feelings that for years and years about all these things, but it's something that I've just kind of had to, I mean, it's something that you need it. And you're that way with me. There's things in my life that are hard for you that are necessary. But like, as I hear it, I can just hear like some people saying, why do you let him do this stuff? And it's, you know, sometimes in relationships, you have to figure out what the other person needs. And this is something that I've learned you need. Um, I do this urban 21st century lifestyle is killing me. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Like living in the suburbs, even right now in this beautiful backyard, there's something about it that feels wrong to, to me. It feels wrong. Yeah. There's something unsatisfied in my heart that I th- just think this is not, this can't be permanent for me. I don't know I don't think exactly what I don't think we're ever meant to be in suburbia. Like sometimes I look at I mean we're we're sitting here in our backyard. We're in it's beautiful. We have lovely furniture. I mean it's small. We're in we're in Meridian, Idaho, and and we have this little teeny plot of land. And sometimes I'm just back here and I think we were never meant to do this as humans. So we were never meant to be like for me. We were never meant to be this isolated. Like I'm raising children alone with like no help whatsoever. My husband goes away and it's like, there's no tribe of support. And sometimes I think we're in this weird place in human, I don't know, even just in America that we're trying to figure out how to connect with what we're supposed, what we've always done as humans, but yet we're doing it in this weird, like 
quarter of an acre space that we call our own and kind of losing a little bit. <laughs> My own personal opinion is I think it it's amazing that we've been able to tame nature and establish cities and metropolises and um, find a, I mean, comparative, compared to the rest of human history, uh, find a lot of comfort. Comfort and leisure is something that I think is new in the last couple hundred years for the masses of America to have the wherewithal to get out and to go up into the mountains for leisure. That's freaking crazy. And that's fairly new. But I just think that on an evolutionary scale, we have humanity has struggled against nature in the mountain for so many tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of years that just for the past couple hundred to be in relative comfort, I don't think, I think that there's still things in our genetics and in our brains that are pulling us to be tested. As a man, that's what I feel. Like, I feel like there's something that says, get out there and find it out there because you're sure shit not going to find it in your office and you're not going to find it in the boardroom and you're not going to find it going down these city streets, living in your cushy suburban neighborhood. You're not going to find it here. You got to get out and find it somewhere else. Yeah. Well, it's a good chat. Yeah, thanks. Um, let's go to bed. Yeah. Good night, everybody. <laughs> All right. Bye. Thanks for listening. This is the Boise Bubble Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave a five-star review. Follow us on Instagram at the Boise Bubble. And for more information about our community, follow at Hello Meridian. See you next time. The Boise Bubble Podcast is sponsored by Volkswagen of Boise. Interested in buying a Volkswagen in the Treasure Valley? Head to www.volkswagenofboise.com to learn more.